Welcome to an all-new episode of SJHL Weekly across the SJHL social media platforms. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Jeremy Corrigan. The show this week is going to be a bit of a different look. Unfortunately, we were actually kicked out of our studios, but a temporary look. Have to give a shout out uh, to my coworkers here at IKS Media for putting this all together at last minute uh, to make sure that SJHL Weekly still goes off without a hitch. Before we get into today's show, we have to thank our sponsors. We have so many great sponsors that help support the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League throughout our, the year. Cantera Seeds, Sastel, Capital Auto Mall, Saskatchewan Construction Safety Association, Chevrolet, Tourism Saskatchewan, Direct West, SGI, SGU, Great Western, Young's Equipment, RBC. Thank you so much for your support because without your support, uh, the show, SJHL Weekly, would not be possible. On today's show, of course, we have lots to get into, but we'll also be joined by the head coach and general manager of the Flin Flon Bombers, Mike Reagan, who splits uh, their weekend against the Melfort Mustangs. As we bring in our great co-hosts, both Rory McGoran and Jamie Nugabauer, live via video chat. Boys, how was your guys this weekend? Go ahead, Nugsy. Yeah, it was good. Uh... Called the Hounds and Clippers yesterday after the Hounds had nine days off because of the illness to the Weyburn Red Wings last week. So it was a long time since Notre Dame played a game. And as a result, a long time since I called the game. But uh, the the Hounds got one in yesterday and they got a win. So (laughs) that's good for them. And, uh, you know, for me, I got some, you know, hard-earned time with the family. And, uh, yeah, watch some World Cup. There you go. Rory, how about you? Yeah, first off, you know, it's our last show in November. So just a shout out to everyone who has been supporting Movember and donating money where they can, all the teams that went through with it, anyone who has, you know, jobs and employers who pooled their money to help support mental or men's mental and physical health. Uh, it's always a special month for myself. So just want to shout out to everyone that helps support uh, that great cause. And yeah, in terms of the weekend in the SJHL, it seemed like it might've been a little bit of a lighter one for me and just was, around the yeah. league because of all the postponements and then a little bit of a lighter schedule, but eight games to cover, which only means that we're going to get to break down each one, maybe a little more thoroughly as, uh, as we move through our recap. But I think first we need an update from our representative for Canada soccer, Nugsy, <laughs> and he can kick off the show with what happened to team Canada. Oh. Yeah. What's kicking it, Nugsy? Oh, yeah. Painful. Uh, So if you're not following Canada's first game of the World Cup was they played great, didn't score, lost one nothing to Belgium. But there was all this positivity right after the game. Canada's national team manager goes on the world media and says that they're going (laughs) to basically, you know, destroy Croatia. He used different terminology, but that's what he said. And the Croatians are like, we're a great team. We were in the last World Cup final. And so what ended up happening was the Croatians kicked Canada's butt yesterday. Uh, 4-1. to one. Canada did score its first ever uh, men's World Cup goal. So, you know, good for Canada. But, yeah, it was a, it was a demolition in a clinic by the Croatians. And, uh, you know, kudos to, uh, you know, Jason Tatarnik. He, he, he was in touch with me. He's like, what happened in that game? You know, he's a soccer fan, the head coach of Jam with Estevan Bruins. And, you know, there are people around the league you know, we're interested. I was talking to a couple of Hounds players about it too. But yeah, I, I went, I drove to Wilcox, uh, you know, in, in, with a heavy heart, uh, grumpy, grumpy uh, after that Canada game against Croatia. And Canada has one more game, but they're eliminated from moving on at the World Cup. So 
there you have it. Uh, but, you know, there's still lots of reason to watch. The World Cup has been interesting up out in Qatar. But uh, Canada, I think, opened some eyes in terms of the ability they have and opened their own eyes in terms of how far they still have to come to compete against some of the best teams in the world at this stage. Yeah, calling out one of the uh, best countries in the world at a sport, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. And uh, for Canada, it did not work out. But uh, like Rory yeah. kind of mentioned earlier, eight games on the docket in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League this past weekend. So let's get right into it. It all started on Friday night. Just the two games on Friday night in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. Usually much busier. Uh, but the Yorkton Terriers earning a 4-3 overtime victory over the Kindersley Clippers. And then the Melford Mustangs doubling up the Flint Flon Bombers 6-3. One more game on Saturday as Kindersley continued that road trip, but they were shut out by the Melville Millionaires 4-0. Flynn Flon got back in the win column with a 5-4 overtime win over Melfort. And, of course, the Humboldt Broncos, they actually picked up. It was a 4-0 win over the Yorkton Terriers. Then on Sunday, two games on Sunday to close out the week. The Kindersley Clippers falling 4-3 to the Notre Dame Hounds. And then an overtime thriller between Nippowin and Melville, which sees the Hawks earn a 3 to victory guys let's start with the kindersley clippers i think we had talked about it last week the fact that they were playing five games in six days tuesday wednesday friday saturday sunday and unfortunately for the <coughs> clippers they only earned two out of a possible 10 points rory what was your thoughts i guess just on their trip as a whole i think we knew how difficult it would be especially down the tail end of it on Saturday and Sunday for the Clippers to navigate through five games in six days. Uh, but if I'm, you know, just being blatantly honest, I think they had a great opportunity to, to get points against some teams that are right around them and they failed to do so. They picked up only two out of 10 points. I kind of like what they uh, have done to their roster. You know, getting Logan Link later back is going to be a big addition. And then trading for Danton Cox, the younger brother of Logan Cox, who was acquired from Melford earlier in the season. He's, you know, I would say the top 2005 defenseman in the SJHL or one of them. He was averaging 19 minutes a game in Humboldt. Uh, maybe he wanted to change of scenery. Maybe he wanted to play with his brother. And then, I mean, that is just unfortunate for them that the very next day, Logan Cox has a season-ending shoulder surgery. But, um, you know what, I, I, I can't nitpick at it. It's just Kindersley had a really big opportunity in a situation that I will say was very tough playing that much hockey. But... I would have liked to see them get some more points because now they're solely in the basement of the SJHL and they lost all their games in hand. They got 24 games played now, so they're going to have to have a really good second half of the season to try and get back into the mixes of Notre Dame's and Nippowins and Yorkton, who's right on the heel. Nugsy, what about you? Yeah, well, first of all, you mentioned them adding Logan Linklater. I think that's a huge addition. You know, first of all, he's just a great human being. A great. You talk about November. You talk about somebody that is uh, is really at the forefront of of being outspoken about uh, about you know hockey players and being real with mental illness and everything. You know he is an outstanding person. First of all, another local boy to Kindersley too, and he's so talented. Just got them back from the Regina Pats. If you're not aware from the Western Hockey League, and he's already, I think he's got four points in five games, and really involved a little bit off it, a little bit off of it yesterday. And Wilcox, I'm sure you would agree, but uh, you know he, he adds a real element to that uh, to that Kindersley team that adds a little bit of depth and scoring. But you know you hit it on one side, Rory. Like they needed to get some points from from these games against the Yorktons and the Notre Dames and the Melvilles of the world. But you got to give 
you know, Yorkton and Melville and Notre Dame credit too, because, you know, first of all, the Melville Mainers were a team that had said, we talked to Mike Rooney recently, right? That he felt mm-hmm. like his team was, was playing well, just weren't getting any of the bounces. Um, but uh, now they got a couple bounces and, you know, they're getting, uh, you know, Ethan Anstey looks looking like a great ad. You know, he's added some depth with that line with uh, Fry Fogel and uh, Cooper Chisholm. And, you know, he seems like a, a great depth ad piece there to Melville and they're finding ways to score. And same with Yorkton, you know, they were down in the dumps. We were talking about them. Like, what? how can Yorkton turn it around? You asked me that question yesterday and they found a way to win a couple games uh, in overtime, I believe both against the against the, the the millionaires or against the clippers part of me and then you know three and three fifth and six for kindersley going into wilcox not easy hounds showed a lot of rust as well yesterday could have gone either way really clippers big time kudos showed a lot of effort uh in in that game against the hounds and wilcox and, and could have gone either way but uh, just a jared sitch special with an absolute bullet in the third period on the power play uh, to to win it for Notre Dame. But uh, yeah, you, great. you're absolutely right, Rory. Like, I think this is five games that the Clippers will rue. But the good news is, if you're a Clippers fan, there's no reason to panic. Logan Linklater is, looks like, you know, he's back in. Caden Ostrom is really starting to figure it out offensively for them. And, and you mentioned Denton Cox. You talk about a guy that's a really nice fit. Uh, alongside Braden Cook on the top pairing there for Kindersley, Braden Cook being, you know, a very, very good underrated, you know, offensive two-way defenseman. The offensive numbers haven't come this year, but we know how good he is. Uh, he'll be fine. And, uh, you know, that's a good add, too, for Kindersley. So great point they've added, and, and it's still early enough. And the, the the gap is not that big that things can't change quickly, but certainly a disappointing uh, road trip for Kindersley here. Hey, Jeremy, if I, if I may, just for one Go ahead. Sorry, man. This is going to happen throughout the show with the with the virtual three box. I didn't want to all step good. on your toes. Um, they've yet good. to pick up a win on the ro- they've yet to pick up a win on the road. They got to find a way mm-hmm. to win away from Kindersley. They're over five hundred at home, right? They got to yeah. pick up some road points. They only have three points in twelve road games so far. So that's going to be the glaring sort of adjustment that I want to see. Can Kindersley win on the road? Because they're going to need to if they want to get back into the race. Mm-hmm. Well, that was their well, first talked- five. That was their first five road games in forever, right? Sorry, like that's they, okay. You just said they just have played okay. twelve road games. Now they just played five in a row, like in a week. So mm-hmm. that shows you how little practice they have on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think you know what we we talked about it at the start of the show. Like it was, it was a quieter week, I think, for the weekend in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. But it was a big weekend for three teams that were going into the weekend out of the playoff spot, Kindersley, Melville and Yorkton. And two of those teams had solid weekends. So let's talk about now Yorkton, Yorkton picking up the two wins over Kindersley, obviously a tough loss then on Saturday to humble, but Yorkton finding a way to get two wins and really get back in the race. And are only two points behind Nipwin for that final playoff spot. Yeah, we, you know, we, 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 again, we know, like we we all know how good Clay Sleva is, and, and you know mm-hmm. he's a guy that is a premium off a premium offensive talent in this league, and he finally kind of showed it a couple games. There scored two goals there in the first period in the game that um, you know York did end up winning in overtime, and Quinton Unreiner, who they brought in the, the Terriers defenseman, they brought in from the AJ. You know he's a smooth skating guy again. Took some time to find his step here in the in the SJ, but. You know, you think you think of a situation that can 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 give a defenseman uh, some confidence. You know, an overtime winner for a defenseman. You know, that's kind of be 
got to be impressive. And, and, you know, they put a, a bunch of shots on Cody Jamin, who for the most part, you know, didn't have a bad trip in terms of his own uh, ability to stop the puck. So, you know, it, again, it's, it's a thing where the Arctic Terriers needed to beat these teams and, 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 you know, they found a way against Kindersley again. It wasn't pretty for Notre Dame. It wasn't pretty. The only team that of those three that really probably leaves feeling, you know, really good about themselves is the Melville millionaires. Really. I think mm-hmm. it was really could have gone either way, but for Notre Dame and Yorkton, uh, really only Melville was the team that's leaving feeling probably really good about themselves. <laughs> Uh, Rory, I guess just your thoughts on, I mean, you saw Yorkton on Saturday. Maybe they were a little mm-hmm. tired, but they picked up two wins. What did you think of their weekend? I think they were, I wouldn't say tired, but they're also going up against the Broncos team that had the full week off. And they needed yeah. to re- readjust in that week after being subpar throughout the whole month of November. So they went off against a really hungry, humble team. Yorkton, you know what? I've given them credit because when they go up against the teams that are in the fight and maybe you know, like a Melville or Kindersley, they have really brought their A game, which are huge points. Mm -hmm. We all know that. Um, When they go up against, you know, a Humboldt or or Battlefords, they've, you know, yet to pick up wins against those two teams. They did beat Flin Flon once up in Flin Flon, Mm -hmm. so they can do it. You just need to be able to kind of bring your game against the best, and we'll see if they can do that down the stretch. They got 10 wins on the season, and nine of them are when Caleb Allen's in net. So they ride and die with Mm -hmm. Caleb Allen in my books. And when he provides them a chance to win, they're a capable team that does win. And they're just going to have to try and find that extra gear to measure themselves and pick up points against teams that are now above them in the standings. And he'll always give them a chance to win every time he's in yes. between the pipes for sure. But Nugzi, you touched on Melville. Let's chat about them. Five out of a possible six points this weekend. The two wins against Kindersley. I think it all, it all started on Wednesday where they came back uh, from a deficit going into the third period with four unanswered goals. And they rode that momentum into a, a pretty solid week. Yeah, you know what? There's such such a huge difference with the Melville Millionaires when Clement Labellois is healthy and when he's not healthy. Mm-hmm. And and you know, Kelton Pine is a great young 2005 born goaltender, but to hand him the reins and tell him to play every night is a lot for a 17 year old 05 you know goaltender. And uh, when Labellois is in and he can spell them, and they can be a one A and one B. Then I know Mike Rooney's got a feel a lot better about that and as i mentioned there you know you know that the zach canes and the no wills are going to get theirs the question is whether they can find some other line and ethan anstey they brought him in from the flin flon bombers centennial cup experience sjhl finals experience and he has come in and he's really added an energy element you know a leadership element right away he's such a such an un- incredible young man Ethan Anstey learned a lot uh, from Gabriel Shipper. I, I noticed they were pretty tight up there in Flin Flon. And, you know, I think that's a guy that brings that championship kind of mentality to this Melville team and added another line there with, as I mentioned, Fry Fogel, who had a great offensive week. And Anstey's going to do a lot of hard work for a guy like Fry Fogel who can really shoot a puck. Like we saw that from preseason uh, right away there. So Melville now, you know, they have some pieces, they have some confidence. And you look at Clement Lebelois' stats. He's 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 been uh, real really cruising this year. Two sixty three goals against a nine twenty six save percentage uh, for Labellois. And if they millionaires can stay healthy, just get a little confidence. I think that's the biggest difference between them going on a real run here. And you know that's what they showed uh, a couple games there against you know a Kindersley team that was struggling for sure. But uh, you know Melville's got to feel real good about themselves right now. Well, you teased it a few times with Clement Labellois, and he has our tourism Saskatchewan highlight of the week. Have a look. 
Now it's down to Freifogel. Freifogel will pass it up the middle. It's deflected in by Kane. And now Ethan Hilbig will fire it around. And now that's a chance for Linklater, but the Bears, number 17, gets back. Now a three-on-one. Masoki shot. What a save by Lamel on the three-on-one. As it was Bangs. Now he has some pushing and shoving at the side. That was a three-on-one. And you touched on it, Nugzi. Like, I mean, they had great goaltending all week. Rory, what are your thoughts on uh, Melville's week earning five out of a possible six points? I tell you exactly what it was, guys. They got the SJHL weekly bump. When you come on the show, I guess <laughs> your, your team goes on a roll afterwards, right? Yeah, darn right, <laughs> uh, they but do. New- <laughs> they picked up five out of six points, and they were 55 seconds away from picking up six out of six. If it wasn't for FX Bedard scoring for the Nippon Hawks to tie that game, and then Braxton Buckberger in uh, in overtime to win the game for the for the Nippon Hawks. But Nugsy mentioned it; both goalies played outstanding. Uh, Labolo he stopped 23 of 26 in the first game, and then 48 of 51 against Nippon. Of course, Kelton Pine picked up that 34 save shutout in the middle. But they're getting secondary opportunity scoring now. Carter mm-hmm. McKay with two goals throughout the week. Colby Ball with two goals. How about the week for the defenseman Louis Frederick the Bears? So it's not just Noah Wills. It's not just Zach Kane. And when everyone contributes, along with going on SJHL Weekly, you pick up five out of six points. It's true. Yes. Well, we were talking about it at the beginning of the year for, for Melville. They need their you know depth pieces to succeed. Well, obviously you have Noah Wills and Zach Kane, but if they can get that depth scoring, they're going to climb up the standings because they are a very solid mm-hmm. team on paper, Nugsy. They're they're solid on paper, you know. They their their foot soldiers work real real hard, right? Like mm-hmm. I love I love Aiden Robson. Like he just clogs up space. He doesn't do anything pretty. He is mean, and he plays big minutes for Melville. And and to see a guy like Colby Ball, you know, produce a little bit of offense on the back end. You know, they were hoping maybe some more offense from Caden Skolmoski, from Seberge. These guys, you know, they're gonna do what they're gonna do, and they finally are starting to produce on that back end, but the, you know, that, that Robson kid, you know, he's a big, strong, mean, tough kid. And, you know, he's the type of guy, I think that, that, uh, that they really need to keep on the ice and play. And when he's playing a lot and playing well, he's such a difference maker. And it's not going to show up on the stat sheet because he does so many little things for Melville. And, and they have a lot of guys like that, that'll work hard. And I mentioned it, I'll talk about it all day, talk about it all year. Mm-hmm. Ethan Anstey is a great, great character add to this Melville team. Very underrated pickup by the Melville Millionaires and and I talked to Mike Rooney you know when the Hounds were in Melville not that long ago and he was just thrilled with what he's seen from him practice habits in the locker room all those little details and that's the difference in a lot of ways you know Rory you Jeremy you guys know as well as me like those little details are the difference between winning a one goal game late in the game and and he's a big difference for them already Rory I guess final thoughts on Melville and and their weekend um, yeah, yeah, exactly what we both said already. They're getting the secondary scoring. Their goaltendings are, 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 are coming up big. So it was, a, it was a week they had to have. You know, Kindersley would have liked to pick up some more points. Melville was in the same situation. They lost their six games prior. And mm-hmm. you know what? They took care of business. So that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's what you want to see. And that's just huge confidence building into the Christmas break. 100%. Well, finally, we have to talk about uh, some teams that are kind of at the opposite end of the standings, playing a home-and-home the Flin Flon Bombers and the Melfort Mustangs, two great games at the Northern Lights Palace and the Whitney Forum. Uh, each team splitting, but Melfort getting three out of a possible four points. Uh, Nugsy, your thoughts on the home and home, and I guess just the play of both teams. 
Man, the Sherwood division, boy, oh boy, do they kill each other, eh? Like, yeah, awesome. Like, 18 goals in these two games, tons of action. The Melford Mustangs got to be thrilled to get three or four points. Anytime you go to the Whitney and you get a point, you got to be like pretty happy about it. Um, but you know, only one regulation loss for Melford in the entire month of November, and that was the very first game of November. So, it's been a magical month of November for Melford, and a big reason. For that is the goaltending again. We talked about it for Melville and how important it is for uh, Kelton Pine to have Thamon Labelois in there to be his 1A, 1B. Well, you know, James Venn, you know, we know he's very talented, good young goaltender, but for Joel Favreau to be back in there and producing and playing well in net there for Melford is a big difference. And uh, sure, you know, any game that Flynn Flon plays, they're just going to pummel the other team's goalie with shots. And, you know, they, he, you know, they did that pretty much both of these games between Melfort and Flynn Flon. And, but it was, it was end to end. It was dramatic. You know, that game in Flynn Flon, there was one goal in, in the first period and then there were seven in the third. And then, you know, just a beautiful, beautiful overtime winner for uh, Flynn Flon and Jeremy Tremblay with the, with the setup there for, for Cole Dupero, who just keeps, you know, running over the league right now. But, uh, you know, you, you think about Jaden Mercier, you think about Cole Dupero, you think about Jeremy Tremblay, like, they're going to put shots on. So the question is, can, can a guy like Ven, can a guy like Favreau hold you in long enough for your, mm-hmm. some of your younger pieces to, to do some damage at the other end? And they did. And they're getting it from young guys, right? We always joke about Trevor Blevins and the Melford Mustangs being this old guy's club. But it's Zach Summers and it's Riley Ash mm-hmm. doing the business offensively for Melford. So, you know, big time kudos to them. I think, you know, both Mike Reagan, and we can ask him, uh, is he coming up here? But I think he'll be happy with his team's performance, I think. Um, you know, Trevor Blevins will be very, very happy with his team's mo- November because uh, the Mustangs were really struggling in October and they've really mm-hmm. turned it all around. <laughs> and if they go on a long, long run here the rest of the year, nobody would be surprised. And if if the guys in the back could quickly just pull up the standings, as of today, all four teams in the Sherwood division are currently in a playoff spot, which is pretty incredible when you see the Flin Flon yeah. Bombers, the Lorange Ice Wolves, Melfort Mustangs, and Nipwin Hawks, and all four teams are playing. Uh, some great hockey right now. Quickly, we'll uh, get to the teams that you guys cover. Uh, Rory, what would you make of the Humble Broncos 4 nothing performance on Saturday? Uh, yeah, I thought it was what they needed to get back to. They needed to, what I heard from the coaching staff is we needed to go in practice and go to battle with each other because, you know, they slumped in November. So I, it was a heated, heated week of practice where, you know what? Maybe you had some teammates getting under the skin of other teammates, trying to pick each other up, trying to elevate each other's games. And that's what they saw on Saturday in probably the most complete 60 minute game. The Broncos had played Look though, after a bit of a slump, their PK is 91.1% in the last six games. Their power play is 28% in the last six games. The penalty kill was terrible in the first, you know, <laughs> or the, or I'd say the first eight weeks of the year. Not good. It was under 77%. Uh, they take the most minor penalties in the league, 188 minor penalties. That's the most. So if your PK sucks, you're going to be in trouble. So they've been able to really click down on their penalty kill. And on even strength, they're the second best team in the SJHL at plus 16 goal differential. So if they can stay out of the box, and when they are in the box, kill mm-hmm. them at a rate they have been over the last six games, they're back into, uh, they're back into the form what we saw in that opening eight-game eight game win streak to start the season. Uh, just want to give sure. a shout out to Jeter, Jeter Cordy as well, who scored his first career SJHL goal in his first career game to join Matthew Van Blaircom and Connor Miller, uh, three draft picks of the Humboldt Broncos. And 
I don't think there's anyone in the league other than Scott Barney that gives opportunities to 16-year-olds like he does. Like Jeter Cordy was on the top line with Cage Newins and Tim Kim. You just don't see that playing his first career game, and he got rewarded for it with a goal. And then he goes out and loses Danton Cox, but right back onto the drawing board and acquires Chase Cook from the Merritt Centennials. And then finally, Hayden Dunford, first career shutout, stopping 29 of 29. For sure. And Nugsy, I guess finally for you, uh, just final thoughts on uh, the Notre Dame Hounds and their win yesterday. Yeah, just just quickly there, Rory. Like, it's it's you you can play sixteen year olds when you have a bunch of like major junior veterans and twenty year olds hanging around and to insulate those. You can young play guys them regardless. Put them, when put you them have in situations. Put them in situations to succeed. So you know, certainly Barney like does that, but I don't think it's a huge risk to put him with you know these guys. Anyways, that that's I'm not chirping anybody. I'm just saying I got to add that piece. So for Notre Dame, yes, like they, 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 there was a while at the start of the year where it just seemed like it was Will Dawson and occasionally Jared Sitch putting the puck in the net and, and everybody else was just kind of working hard. And then Will Dawson wasn't scoring and then they were getting some secondary scoring, but it wasn't the same type of explosive. They, they're finally starting to put it together. You know, they got some, some offense from Will Dawson. You know, last night he was flying. Uh, you know, great for Carson Bayless, especially yesterday to face his his former mates played well, got an assist. I knew it looked like I could see in his eyes that he was desperate to, to score against his, his former team there in Kindersley. It meant a lot to him. And, you know, he played well as well. That line with Evan Van Hoovel looks really, really good right now, too. And, yeah, I, I think it's also really good for this Notre Dame team. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I don't think they played phenomenal yesterday against, you know, a, a tired, even though they worked hard, a Kindersley team that looked a little bit tired. Two teams that didn't play great. Um, and for the Hounds to, to to win a game when they didn't play great, I think is great for their confidence. You know, they obviously need to be better on Tuesday against LaRange coming up. But, uh, you know, you're not always going to play well. They played really well in Yorkton, uh, you know, nine days ago. Then they had a long day, long time off. So, you know, there you go. I'll give them that mulligan. And uh, they for them to get two points when they weren't at their best, I think, is great for them to see. And again, for your Hounds fan, great to see Will Dawson find the back of the net and uh, great to see Jared Sitch do Jared Sitch things. Cause you know, as I said, I still think I would take Jared Sitch over any other defenseman in this league. You can call me a Homer if you want, but uh, <laughs> you know, he, he again showed what is what he can do uh, on, in all three zones. He was a man among boys yesterday and, and that third period goal, just go back and watch it. He just decided he was going to score a goal and he did. Hey, Nuki, this isn't the well, Stephen that, A. Smith yeah, show, ahead. so I'm not so I'm not going to step <laughs> all over your all over your and try to argue with you over top of each other's voices. But uh, I mean, Matthew Van Blaricon was on a line with Connor Kasperi and Jace Benvy, no WHL experience. Jeter Cordy played with a 17 year old Tim Kim and Cage Newins, who's played 20 games in the dub. And Carson Cater has been on a line the whole year with Noah Barlogi, zero WHL experience. So they're putting them in spots where they are succeeding, but. None of them are playing with major junior players. I'm not criticizing. I didn't mean to criticize. I'm just saying Barney <laughs> can feel good about doing it because he's insulated these young guys with experienced guys. Noah Barlaghi, I don't not not not. I didn't necessarily just mean to to focus on the major junior element. I just meant like you're putting guys with guys who have a lot of experience. That's that's what I'm saying. You just can't throw a bunch of 16, 17 year olds out there like some teams do try to do, and then they struggle. The Broncos succeed with these young guys because they can put, you know, they had Noah Barlaghi with great veterans, you know, Kate Olson and and whatever years ago and 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 that kind of thing. And that's what Scott Barney does. And, and it's the right way to go about it, I think. You insulate guys with good players, young players, and they learn the right way to go. And Tim Kim 
you know, he, he's another young guy, but he's got lots of BCHL experience. I think he could, could play in any league, junior league in Canada. He's outstanding too. So, you know, it, I, I mean it as a as a compliment to Scott Barney's um, the way he goes about things. That's all I mean. I've been waiting three months for one of these debates, and I'm glad we finally got one for sure. Uh, that was great, guys. And that was the weekend that was in the Saskatchewan <laughs> Junior Hockey League. After the break, we're going to be joined by the head coach and GM of the Flin Flon Bombers, Mike Reagan. Get his thoughts on the weekend and the start of the season for the Flin Flon Bombers. This is SJHL Weekly across the SJHL social media platforms. Welcome back to SJHL Weekly across the SJHL social media platforms. My name is Jeremy Corrigan, joined by Rory McGoran and Jamie Nugabauer. And before we get to our guest, uh, we have gotten some great feedback already about that hot debate between Rory and Jamie. Mike Rooney chiming in, Jason Tatarnik. We love it. We love the hot debate and we love the feedback. Uh, but it is time to bring in our guest, the head coach and general manager of the Flin Flon Bombers, Mike Reagan, and every uh, coach interview is presented by the Saskatchewan Construction Safety Association. Mike, how's it going today? Well, great now. I mean, the intensity was unbelievable <laughs> there between the two. I, I loved it. I, I actually was going to pass up my uh, minutes here to them to keep this going. So well done, boys. Uh, great for a Monday. Well, we got to, you know what, it might be cold outside, but the heat, it's heating up definitely on <laughs> SJHL Weekly. Uh, Mike, I guess first and foremost, we'll start with uh, this past weekend. You guys split the Melfort Mustangs. What'd you think of your team's play? Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, I was a little bit disappointed in our, our effort in, in Melfort. Uh, you know, we get off to a two goal lead and uh, blow that before the period's out in the first and um, just lack the intensity that we needed. Uh, you know, for such a big game for us, uh, you know, Melford's been playing really good hockey here and, uh, you know, the, we knew that going in and that they would be ready and, uh, we just didn't, uh, get the full effort that we were hoping for, but, uh, you know, Saturday night, I thought we bounced back pretty well. Um, their goaltender played phenomenal. Um, you know, I was getting nervous that we weren't going to score and, uh, and then we were able to get four in the third period. And, you know, again, we, Gave up uh, a four-two lead with under three minutes left, uh, you know, to to go into overtime. But we score a big goal, and uh, you know, Dupro gets the hat trick on a great feed from uh, Jeremy Trombley, who's been absolutely excellent for us here in the last uh, month. Here, I think he's got fifteen or sixteen points in nine games, so he's uh, really cranking it up. And uh, happy to see that. And then, obviously, Dupe has been uh, phenomenal for us this year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thank, thanks for thanks for joining us uh, there, uh, Mike. You know, take me to that third period. Then you know, seven goals scored. Were you transported back to the SJHL finals almost a little bit last year? Just the intensity and the passion and and the play that was on display. Because you know, just just watching it, it kind of came through. It felt like a playoff game. Yeah, it definitely did. Uh, you know, I think that uh, both teams were. You know, there's a lot of intensity uh, between Melford and and Flim Flon and. Um, you know, we played in the league final a few years back there and, uh, you know, it felt like a playoff game. Uh, I know Kyle, uh, the commissioner was up here and, you know, those were some of the comments that he had after the game and that, but, uh, you know, an exciting, uh, win and, and, you know, at that point where we'll take the two points and, 
just move on. You know, it was a tough November for us, probably our toughest month of the season. And, uh, you know, we ended up five, three and one. So two games above 500. So we've got to be happy with, with the circumstances, you know, we played Humboldt, uh, Melford, uh, Battlefords, uh, you know, so it was a really tough month for us. So, uh, you know, the competition was really good, but it, you know, we like that. I, I think that, uh, um nude you and i joked about it uh i was pretty upset with the schedule being my scheduler being that myself uh for uh going battleford battleford uh humboldt three and three that's uh you know running the gauntlet uh but uh you know we fared all right i think we went uh one one and one on that uh trip and and felt that we played battleford really well and probably deserved at least two points in that uh back-to-back uh series but uh you know, it was a good test for us. Good measuring stick. We find out uh, where we are as a hockey club when you when you play that stiff co- competition. Hey, Mike. We all know the special teams that the Flin Flon Bombers have. You can absolutely bury opponents with your power play and penalty kill. It's number one in the league in both regards. How would you address your team's play five on five throughout this season so far? Uh, you know, up until you know the last little bit, we've been really good uh, five on five. You know. When you take a look at our our goals against, um, we've been a really good team. You know, I think uh, I, I don't know exactly where we are today, but uh, top three or four, I think, in in goals against, and and at one point we were second. So, um, you know, we're pretty happy with the way we've played defensively. You know, over the last little stretch here, um, you know, we've given up a few more goals than we'd like to. Uh, you know, in that Battleford series, I think we gave up. Uh, uh, five and and four, so we gave up uh, nine goals in in those back to back games. That's gonna that's gonna hurt you. And then we give up six in Melfort. Uh, um, you know the other night, two of them empty netters, but uh, uh, and then we give up four uh, against Melfort on Saturday night. So you know that quickly can change when you when you just look at those four games, how many goals we gave up uh, during that. But before then, uh, you know I thought that. Uh, defensively we've played great five on five and you know we got to get back to that for sure Mike we've talked about it a lot about the parity in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League this year but I mean if you look at the Sherwood division we were talking about it in the the first block of the show right now all four teams in the Sherwood division are currently in a playoff spot what do you guys what do you make of the Sherwood division as of right now yeah it's a grind I mean but uh, trust me I'm getting used to this I mean uh, the Sherwood division's always been really good. You know, when you take a look at uh, uh, Nippon, uh, Malfort, and Flimflon have have grinded it out uh, for many years, and then you know since Keller's got into Larange, now he's making it even tougher. So um, you know, but I, I I truly believe that it just makes us us stronger. You know, like I said, stiff competition, and when you got a battle every night, um, you know, it makes you better, and and it pushes each other, and. And that sort of thing. So, um, you know, a lot of fun nights, a lot of challenging nights, uh, a lot of uh, intensity, and uh, that's good for the game and it's good for the players. Yeah, no Jamie. doubt. And lots of lots of fun to uh, lots of fun to watch for all of us, of course. You know, one of the things that I love to do around the, when I'm around the league, I go to the Whitney and I go into your office and, and we chat about players in the league. And that's that's one of my highlights uh, as a broadcaster in this league. And one of the guys that you know I want to ask you about that you must be so proud of. You mentioned him there, Jeremy Trombley, committed to Sacred Heart, where you played, you know, your college hockey, of course, as well. And, uh, you know, just after the year he had last year with illness and, and everything having to come back, you know, are you even impressed given how he's been able to to bounce back from a year that wasn't bad, obviously, but 
just missed so much time that he's been able to be as good as he has been this year? Yeah, that was a tough year for him. You know, obviously he got off to a great start and got his scholarship and, you know, uh, a special feeling for myself as well, knowing that he's going to Sacred Heart and uh, I know what it's like to be there and, and, and proud of, uh, you know, being there and, and having him go there. But, uh, you know, for us, I mean, when he got sick after Christmas there and, and we lost him for as long as we did and didn't have him in the, the Centennial Cup and, you know, that really hurt us. I thought, you know, a, a guy that's a point of game player for you and, and you you don't have him in, in uh, the playoffs or in the Centennial Cup, I think that could have went a long ways for us, maybe even going a little bit deeper um you know because he he can score goals and that and then obviously uh he comes here and he gets mono to start the season so he he loses all of uh you know uh training camp and exhibition and and that and and then you know he got off to a little bit of a slow start but i mean that's understandable with everything that he's gone through in the previous six months and and now we're just starting to really see what he's capable of doing and um, you know, it's exciting for, for us. And obviously we're proud of him for sticking with it mentally. That can be a, a real challenge. And, uh, you know, he's fought through that and it's, and it's only made him stronger. So, you know, the best is, is, is still to come for him. And, uh, that's a great thing for the Flim Flam Bombers and, and for Jeremy Trombley. Well, Mike, if Nugsy was going to go one direction, I'll go the other player. I mean, Jeremy Trombley, Perfect. I think is one of the most I think is one of the most uh, difficult players, if not the most, to take off the puck. And what does that do? It opens up room for his other players. Well, how exceptional has Cole Dupero been? He leads the league in goals now, tied with Ian Bell. He has six goals in his last three games. Uh, just what is he doing, along with his teammates, to elevate his game to the next level and being this contributing to the Flin Flon Bombers? Yeah, Dupe uh, has been phenomenal. I mean, he's got an unbelievable shot. You know, he's got a pro shot and... Um, that's tough for goaltenders, you know, to stop. And, you know, I think that everybody does a good job at pre-scouting and stuff like that. So what's more impressive is that he's still scoring goals the way he is. And, and uh, you know, teams are, are starting to, you know, and, and uh, you know, identify where he is on the ice and, and yet he's still able to score. So that, that says a lot about his ability. Um, but if you take a look at his his last year of AAA, I mean, I'm not surprised. I think he had 73 points. Um, mm -hmm. You know, was second in in AAA scoring that year. So he's he's done it along the way. You know, and uh, we really felt that if he could get off to a hot start this year, that uh, he was capable of of scoring. I, I'm not sure if I I thought he'd have 19 goals in 23 games, but uh, you know, certainly happy with uh, his production and. You know, I think it's just a matter of time before he gets a Division One scholarship and he's starting to garner a lot of attention from schools. And uh, that's great for him, great for the league, great for our program. And uh, hopefully it works out for him. Mike, I was going to ask you about uh, the addition you made in mid-October of Alex von Sprecken from the Estevan Bruins. Obviously, you're very familiar with him from his time with the Estevan Bruins last year and, and, and the matchup in last year's final. But what has he brought to your defensive core since joining the Flint Flom Bombers? Well, Vaughn, he's, uh, he's an unbelievable guy. Like, uh, he's he's fit in here so well, uh, just plays like a bomber. His intensity that he brings, I mean, first practice, I was like, wow, this guy competes. And uh, he reminds me a lot of uh, a guy we had years ago, Brandon Masson, probably a little more skilled than Brandon was and, and, and that, but like the intensity that he brings to the table is very similar 
Um, you know, obviously bringing in a guy that has Centennial Cup experience and won a, a championship against us. I mean, it's tough sometimes. We do talk about that. I'm not going to lie. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think we lost 10 guys from last year's team. And, and to be able to add a guy like him with that experience has been uh, huge for us. You know, we felt that we had a good team, a good core returning. But uh, like I said, when when we lost 10 guys and, and you lose good players every year, but, uh, um, you know, we knew that we were going to have to fill some holes. And, and when he became available, I mean, that was right away we we jumped on uh on that one and uh he's been he's been great for us and um you know the guys love him here and you know he's such a positive guy like uh you know when he walks into the dressing room he's got a smile on his face every day and and brings that intensity and i think it it just makes our other guys better when you you practice with a guy like that or go up against a guy day in day out that uh brings it and you know you can see why um you know he's had a lot of success in this league yeah, last one for me then, Mike. Uh, just to switch gears just a little bit, uh, you know, the World Junior A Challenge is coming up uh, in December. I don't know what's been announced officially, who and what and all that, so I'm going to stay away from the specifics. But I'm going to ask you about your personal experience, you know, coaching at that event and and, and what it was like for you and, and how good it is, do you think, for, for anybody who might get an opportunity to either try out or even play there and how, how cool of an event it is. Yeah, I mean, I was very fortunate to be a part of that for three years, and uh, which actually four, I think. Uh, I, I went the the first year as a guest coach, and um, you learn a lot, you know, and and you meet a lot of great people, and I think it only makes you better as a coach. And um, you know, I I got to be around, you know, Kale McCarr, I mean, uh, Tyson Jost, you know, Dante Fabro, some guys that are, uh, you know, Kale McCarr, a pretty good player in the NHL right now. But uh, what I learned about them is just unbelievable hockey players, but unbelievable human beings. And, you know, it, it, uh, it makes you better as, as a person and as a coach. And I think when you can come back and, and apply that to your team, I think that's huge. And, um, you know, we were fortunate to have some SJHL guys there and really hoping that a couple guys do make it and, uh, um, excited for Braden, you know, Clamosco going there. We've had a few conversations, uh, He's going to just uh, absolutely love it. And, you know, I think he's going to bring uh, a lot of uh, great uh, experience with him there and uh, or, or to the team. And uh, he's a great coach. And, uh, you know, they're fortunate to have a guy like that. So, um, you know, I know that the camp has changed quite a bit, which is unfortunate. You know, we used to be able to bring in 60 guys into either Calgary or Edmonton um and run a camp and and that and now i think they've gone down to 30 guys which i don't quite understand i actually was talking to a uh division one school about that today and you know it's unfortunate for for those schools because um a lot of players get identified at that camp that that don't you know maybe make the team but they're great players and so the exposure that they get from a camp like that is is unfortunately not going to be there and um you know hopefully in the future they get back to that if we understand uh you know, for cutting budget uh, purposes, uh, you know, with COVID and everything like that and, and coming out of it. And ho- like I said, hopefully they get back to that because, you know, I think that there's a lot of players in in, in Western Canada that uh, miss out on a great opportunity to grow as a player and, and get that exposure, even if you if you aren't making the team. And Mike, before we let you go, do you want to get in on the debate between me and Nugsy? You want to fire it back up <laughs> no, before the segment ends? <laughs> 
Actually, no, I don't because uh, you, guys, <laughs> you guys did such a great job and that's probably a topic that I want to stay away from. You know, uh, I don't want Barnes calling me up and, and uh, giving me heck for anything. And, uh, you know, I'll just let you guys decide that. And um, I don't know if like uh, Nugs, if, if your new nickname is Homer, you were kind of asking for that earlier there. And uh, he was uh, you right. know, call me a Homer if, if you want or, or whatever. But uh, no, you guys do a tremendous job. And uh, I'm just really hoping that uh, we get that SJHL bump that you were talking about as well here. So. Uh, the timing uh, of this is great. You know, we're going into a new month here before um, the Christmas break, and we're we're hoping for that SJHL bump and and that sort of thing. And I just want to <laughs> give a shout out to uh, Ansi there. Uh, you guys were talking about a new year. You're exactly right. What a phenomenal human being he is, and uh, he's really going to help Melville. And that was a tough one to 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 do, but um, you know, he's a he's a great player and. Uh, He's going to really help them, and, and we wish him all the best, except for uh, when we play them on Friday night. Yeah, I guess finally, Mike, just quickly, what do you expect from uh, your road trip this weekend? Well, we played a lot on the road here. I mean, we just came off a five-game road trip, basically. Yeah. Uh, haven't played at the Whitney Foreman in a long time, so it was nice to to be able to play there. But now we're right back on the road for two, and, uh, and then we get two two home games. I think we get Yorkton the following Friday. And then we got a home and home with LaRange, which uh, we haven't seen LaRange in a long time here. So excited about that. Uh, you know, it's amazing. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or what, but the season seems to go by a lot quicker now. I can't can't believe we're into December here and uh, uh, Christmas is right around the corner. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, the intensity is going to pick up here a lot more after Christmas. And uh, I know right now it's about the GMs getting their jobs done and um you know so you, you got the two hats the coaches side of things and then the gm side and uh right now with the december one cut down date uh it's time for gms to to do their work i think well mike we really appreciate your time today thanks so much for joining us and best of luck this weekend in uh, yorkton and melville yeah thanks a lot guys good job that is the head coach and general manager of the flimflon bombers mike reagan after the break, we will announce this week's Players of the Week, and we will have another edition of Buy It or Sell It. This is SJHL Weekly across the SJHL social media platforms. Welcome back to SJHL Weekly across the SJHL social media platforms. My name is Jeremy Corrigan, joined by Rory McGoran, Jamie Nugabauer. Guys, what a great chat with head coach and GM of the Flint Flon Bombers, Mike Reagan. He's always a great chat, a great conversation with Mike. It's always had. Yeah, it's all, I mean, any anytime you Someone? can have. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so, there we go. I thought I thought we've been going clockwise around the uh, the virtual That's chat okay. screen, but. No, I mean, we We're love having any best. coach that, you know, just gleams when they talk about his team and his organization and his fans and the opportunity these kids get yeah. in the SJHL to further their hockey career. And Mike's one of the best of it. So, yeah, it's always a pleasure. Jamie, your thoughts? Yeah, just, you know, again, first of all, he's a guy that follows the show and follows what we do and actually cares about the league. And and, and that's great for us. And more importantly than that, he cares about his players, cares about his team. And obviously, he's a Flin Flon guy. He definitely cares about the Flin Flon Bombers organization. And so I think that, you know, as you were saying, 
you know, Rory, I think that kind of really comes through because he wears he wears that bomber jacket with so much pride means everything to him. Uh, you know, he was he talks about being in the crowd when when Flynn Flon was in the in the finals or won the finals in the 90s and all that. So, you know, he 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 is the bombers right in a lot of ways, the bombers right now. And and again, such a such a great dude to talk hockey with. He sure is. Well, it's time now to announce this week's players of the week. We we talked about it earlier on in the show, a bit of a lighter schedule this week, but still some unreal performances across uh, the league. So let's start with the SG, SGEU MVP of the week. And we talked about Melford and Flynn Flon, uh, offensive duel between the two teams. And Zach Summers with four goals, two assists, a great weekend for him. Uh, Rory, maybe just talk about his performance and how good he's been for this Melfort Mustang squad so far this season. He's a, yeah, he's been absolutely huge for the Melfort Mustangs. Is there a more improved or maybe surprised? Because, I mean, he was a good player last year, but I would put Zach Summers and Maguire Ratzlav as the two most mm-hmm. surprising players in the SJHL this year. Summers had 13 points in 47 games last year. He's got 27 mm-hmm. points in 23 games and leads the Melford Mustangs. Uh, you talk about the World Junior A Challenge. This is a player that might be on that tryout list. I'm not sure, but I'd be shocked if he wasn't in the SJHL. One of the best young 2004-born players. And my opinion for the most surprising, improved player in the SJHL, he's on a roll. Yeah, and you touched on it. I mean, uh, I was writing the uh, SJHL Players of the Week article for SJHL.ca, which you can check out after the show. But the fact that he's already doubled his point total from last year in his rookie season is extremely impressive. All right, moving on to Sastel Goalie of the Week. And we ended up going with Caleb Allen of the Yorkton Terriers. We touched on it earlier, but Nugsy, I mean, Allen's really kept the Yorkton Terriers in a lot of hockey games this year, and he's won them a lot of hockey games this year, too. Yeah, you know what? Uh, it's similar to last year, right? Kale the Pape was phenomenal for Yorkton, and, and they needed him too. And you know, they they have a style that they they do need their goalie to make some big saves at different times because they do sell out so much on the counterattack. You know, mm-hmm. four guys, you know, five guys sometimes are up the ice. So you know, that's going to leave your goalie uh, to make some saves. And 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 again, as I said, the, Matt Hare is so high on this kid. He knew had an inkling about that he would be pretty good, given that you know the, the how 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 highly touted he was out of Colorado. You know, last year in the Loomis Chaffee School, which is such a great prep school in the States. Um, so, you know, he's talented and he's good. And he was a big, huge reason, of course, why the York Terriers picked up, you know, a couple of overtime wins there against uh, Kindersley. Yeah. And a uh, big shout out, a big congratulations to Caleb Allen. And this is obvi- this is also his second time winning Sastel Goalie of the Week as well. Moving on to Direct West Rookie of the Week. We're going back to the Melfort Mustangs. I mean, we talked about it uh, earlier, how good uh, he's been. But Riley Ash, another great performance this week. Three assists uh, this week against the Flin Flon Bombers, Rory. And a guy that who's, who's just behind Summers when it comes to team scoring for the Melfort Mustangs. Yeah, we're going to talk probably a little bit more about Ash coming up and buy it or sell it as well. But uh, it's one of the 16-year-olds that Nugsy, is he insulated yeah. on the Melford Mustangs or is he one of the talented 16-year-olds that's getting all the opportunity by Trevor Blevins Uh-oh. and the Melford Mustangs to <laughs> contribute the way he's doing? And uh, <laughs> uh, But yeah, Riley Ash just continues to be on a roll and you know how much that uh, the Melford Mustangs mean to the Ash family and the Ashes mm-hmm. mean to the Melford Mustangs family. So to bring them right in, as a 16-year-old, give him all the opportunity and to see him contribute once again, deserving of a Rookie of the Week this week, uh, Riley Ash has been special. 
Yeah, and his uh, second time also being Direct mm-hmm. West Rookie of the Week as well. Uh, finally, the newly sponsored Super U Defenseman of the Week going to the Melville Millionaires. We talked about it earlier. Uh, Louis Frederick Tiberge, two goals, one assist, Snoogzy. I mean, we talked about how big of a week it was for Melville, but it was also a big week for the 19-year-old mm-hmm. defenseman. Yeah, you know what? It's always a good night when two goals or when two two goals that you score go in from defensemen from the same defenseman, and he scored two goals against Kindersley in a game. And you know what? Look, the, the, Mike Rooney accounted, and as I said earlier, thought that he would get some offensive production from his back end with the likes of Skolmoski, AJHL veteran. You know, Tebers had a pretty good rookie year last year. He's good talented player and 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 and, you know they got andrew siak back from the dub as well and so Mm -hmm. you know they they got they got some pieces back there so you know again good for him and and again this melville team you know we all thought they'd be pretty good this year if they should just get together get some bounces you know they're going to be scary and they bear just right in the middle of it offensively especially yeah, big reason why they got five out of a possible six points uh, this week. So in recap, SGU MVP of the week, Zach Summers of the Melford Mustangs with four goals and two assists. Sastel goalie of the week is Caleb Allen. Two wins, a 1.89 goals against average. Superb helping Yorkton pick up two overtime wins over the Kindersley Clippers. Direct West rookie of the week being Riley Ash of the Melford Mustangs with three assists, his second time being Direct West rookie of the week. And the Super U D-man of the week, is Louis Frederick Tiberge with two goals, one assist. So congratulations to all four players. You can read all about the players of the week on sjhl.ca. That article should be going live any minute now. Uh, But now it's time to move on to buy it or sell it. It is back for another week. Uh, And we are going to go with, we got four questions today. We're even giving uh, the fans a little bit of an extra uh, treat this week. So we'll start with the first one. Rory, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you answer first on this one. Let's just sort that out first. All right. (laughs) With the current top, will the current top four teams in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League hang on to home ice advantage come playoff time? Um, For background, for people watching at home, the top four right now, Battleford one, Flin Flon two, Humboldt three, and Larange four. Rory? Uh, I think we already eliminate 25% of it because there's no way the Battleford's North Stars are falling to fifth place. So now you got to look go. at <laughs> do, 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 does one of Humboldt, Flin Flon, or Larange fall out? And in my mind, I mean, it's still early. We're, we're halfway through the season, but I'm looking at Melford and Estevan. Does Melford or Estevan pass? one of LaRange, Humboldt, or Flin Flon and bump one of those teams down mm-hmm. to fifth. The way you do that is by winning on the road. There's only five teams in the SJHL that have a 500 winning percentage or higher on the road. Four of them are the top four teams. The other one is Melford. The good news for the Estevan Bruins is that they've already played over half their road games. So they'll have a lot of home cooking coming. But mm-hmm. I'm going to buy it. I think the top four teams right now will be the top four teams. Uh, LaRange is going to have to prove it on the road because they've played the least amount of road games, but they're still 500 on the road at four and four, but I will buy it. I think it's going to be Battleford, Flint, Flon, Humboldt and LaRange. Not sure in what order, but those are going to be your home ice advantage teams. Nugsy. Well, yeah, I mean, I love disagreeing with you. So here's an opportunity. I am selling <laughs> that all day and all night. Um, oh. We know Trevor Blevins. We know Jason Tatarnik. Those guys are going to add. 
They're going to add between now and January the 10th. They might add today. Who knows? And you know what? They're not in a home ice advantage spot. You mentioned all those home games at Affinity Place. Estevan's just going to keep getting better and better. I think if you ask Jason Tatarnik, he still would say he hasn't seen his best Estevan Bruins team this year, not by a mile. And they got Camherd Licka, you know, Estev Melford's got James Venn uh, really flying. Jo- Joel Favreau looks like he's back healthy and doing Joel Favreau things in the sticks too. If Melford could get healthy, look out. If Estevan keeps adding, which they will, look out. Sorry, one of those, you know, three teams. I'm not going to say which one, but, uh, um, you know what, it's going to be hard to hold off those two, uh, you know, both of them anyways. And to break up the tie, I will say, I will also sell it just for the fact uh, with the statistics. <laughs> and uh, I, I would say the thing is, like you kind of mentioned, Rory, the difference is going to be the teams that win on the road. And uh, you know what, that really separates them uh, teams from themselves. The top teams always win on the road and the bottom teams are unable to find a way uh, to win on the road. You mentioned Kindersley hasn't won a road game. And uh, look at where they are in the standings. But look how well Melfort's playing as of late. Uh, five or 11 points of their possible uh, 12 in their last six games. So I think it's I think no matter what, those top six, uh, it's going to be a battle for sure down the stretch. Uh, moving on to number two. And this one kind of alludes to it. Rory teased it earlier. Uh, Jamie, you can start uh, with this one. Will an SJHL team have a leading scorer who is a rookie this year? Hmm. Um, I'm going to sell it just because the, 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 the team, there are probably two teams that there's a chance in my opinion at this point out of 10, out of 12 teams in the league. And and will they hang on? It's a long year. It's tough for young kids. Of course, Dylan Ruptash in Yorkton is the only uh, rookie leading right now. And we've talked a lot about Riley Ash, uh, for Melfort, you know, he's kind of hot on Zach Summers' heels right now. They're two young guys, you know, waiting for Ben to catch up and, Clark Huxley to, to stay, get and stay healthy, you know, there in, in Melfort, uh, you know, but, you know, it's so hard in this league for a rookie to, to lead their team in scoring, um, I guess, last year, notwithstanding. But uh, this year, I'm going to sell it. Rory? Yeah, I'm with Nugsy. I'm going to sell this one as well, um, just because of how difficult it is. I'd also add in Logan Ziegler there for the Estevan Bruins. He's eight points mm-hmm. back. Uh, so he, he could do it, right? Uh, but you're right. Riley Ash has 20 points. He's seven points back of Zach Summers and Dylan Ruptash leads his team in scoring. But if it's one out of 12 teams that maybe has a shot, then I'm taking the 11 out of 12 and 92% chance that it won't happen. And uh, I'll sell it. And I would also agree with you guys. So that's a clean sweep on the sell it. Uh, moving on. Oh, this one's going to be a good one, I think. Uh, should the SJHL... <laughs> Reduce the limit of 20-year-olds on the roster. Rory? Uh, sell it. I don't like it. I mean, if you reduce it by one to seven 20-year-olds, I'd be like, all right, I guess that's okay. Uh, my argument for it is it is going to be contradicting the argument to lower it down, which is to make the league younger. But in my mind, if you lower mm-hmm. your, eight, your 20-year-olds from eight to six, you're just going to see teams bring in more 19-year-olds. In no reason does lowering the amount of 20-year-olds make teams bring in more 16-year-olds. You need to have a competitive league. When you go to the Centennial Cup, if the SJHL loses to the NO or the SI, what young dynamite 16-year-old is going to look at the SJHL and be like, that's where I, I want to go, right? I mean, you have to have a competitive, hard-fought league with top players that are going to help develop these kids 
and get them post-secondary scholarships. I think if you lower it to six or five, you're just impacting the overall talent level of the league, and you're only doing is increasing 19-year-olds. So keep it where it is. Can you limit major junior players out of the pro? Sure, you could do that. You could do that. But no, you got to keep the 20-year-olds at minimum seven, is my opinion. Sell it all day long. Give the opportunity oh. to the 16-year-olds regardless if there's seven 20-year-olds or six 20-year-olds. If you got a 16-year-old on your team and he can play like Riley Ash, put him in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it's a new game, man. I mean, and I just think lowering the 20-year-olds doesn't do anything but just raise the amount of 19-year-olds in the league. Nugsy, before you answer this question, I want to follow up here with Rory. So we kind of, with this question, we kind of did leave it wide open about what it would be lowered to. So what would your answer be if I said uh, lowering it to seven? I, I wouldn't argue as passionately as I am now. I don't think it's right. going from eight to seven, right? I mean, if you drop it to six, then I'm very much against it. But I mean, if sure. I don't, I think it'd be, I think it'd be more of a 50-50 split with coaches to lower it to seven than terms to six. Yeah, fair enough. All right, Nugza, your your turn. Yeah, again, I think I think people know where I'm gonna go with this. I'm gonna buy it hard, hard buy it. First of all, this is a development league. Now, okay, absolutely. 20-year-olds are still young people. That is definitely true. I'm not arguing that. But if we if we as a league say that we want to be far more NCAA focused and you know we want to head in that direction and get guys scholarships there then a college scout is not going to spend his budget money to come to the SJHL to watch a kid from the Western Hockey League or the Q or the O be on the power play when you know somebody else could so if you lower the 20 to to six or five you know even down then the more young guys get opportunities, the more there's ice time to go around. If you look at it just mathematically, that's more ice time for younger players. I don't think it's going to be 19-year-olds. are just going to add a bunch of 19-year-olds. The best teams will have more 19-year-olds. I think you know good teams think about the future the next year as well, too. But what it really does is it does limit major junior guys because a lot of 20-year-olds, not all, I get it, but a lot of major junior guys come in because, you know, maybe they want they could fight for an OA spot in a major junior team. And sometimes they don't want to necessarily fight for that or they want to go home. They're like, there's all sorts of reasons why a 20-year-old might leave major junior hockey. But that's, you know, a very common reason. Uh, and again, I'm not criticizing anybody for any decision that they made as that result. Everybody has the right to do the best decision for them. But if you're a coach of a team, you're going to take that kid. And I don't blame you. And I, because, you know, you're trying to win. You're trying to do good. You're trying to get tickets and seats. You're trying to make the, make the, make your team better and win hockey games and win a championship. But this is from a league perspective. How, what direction does the league want to go? If the league is deciding that it's an NCAA focused league, and if it's a scholarship driven league, you know what those U sports guys, they probably have U sports spots already, you know, locked up before they get here for the most part. You know, they got their, their college, their, and their CHL, you know, U sports package. They're, they're, they're pretty much set if they want that direction. You know, the, the college kids don't. So, you know, I'm all for giving guys more of an opportunity to get that NCAA spot. Uh, and, you know, I think I think uh, lowering it to six would be would be fantastic for that. And it would increase eyeballs, uh, you know, for the guys. And, you know, guys are going to go major junior if that's what they want to do anyways. It's not going to change the decision of U of U18 kids as much. 
but it might do uh, might do a good thing here too for a 16, 17 year old to get that spawn the power play, you know, instead of a 20 year old that that college scout doesn't want to see anyway. So there you go. That's what I got to say. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I'll kind of meet you guys in the middle. I kind of agree with uh, some points that both of you guys are making. I, I agree with uh, uh, Rory. I don't know if lowering it all the way down to six would be the greatest idea, but at the same time, I think, um, you know, if, if they reduced it down to seven, I don't see too much of harm in potentially doing that in a situation. And Nugzi, the point you made that I, I like is, of course, you want to try and find a way to, you know, give younger players that opportunity to uh, make uh, division you know, an NCAA scholarship, potentially, if that's the route that uh, the league wants to go, that's going to be, you know, if you can provide more roster spots for uh, players that want to pursue that route, you know, that's, that's what you'd want to see from the league. But uh, maybe it comes down to, like you guys mentioned, maybe it comes down to reducing the amount of major junior players that come into the SJHL. But uh, the thing is, I do like about this topic is it creates such good debates, not just between the three of us, but between fans and across the league. Uh, and this one's always going to be uh, a hot topic uh, for sure. Uh, finally, we touched on it a little bit earlier, just about the trade deadline happening on January 10th. For the final buy it or sell it, it's going to be kind of like an over-under, but we're going to set the number at 15 transactions. If you buy it, there's going to be more than 15 transactions, but if you sell it, it's less than 15. Nugzi, you can start. Before I answer, are we are we we're so like there's there, there's there's the there's the cut down date December 1st, and then there's the trade mm -hmm. deadline January 10th. We're talking about January 10th right now. Just to be January 10th. trade, yeah. Yeah, trades so, so, January 10th. So so I looked up last year between G November 30th and January mm -hmm. 10th, which includes the Christmas mm -hmm. break. There were 41 trades. 41. Oh. And the over-under is 15. So, like, I'm going to buy it. Uh, well, and take our, it to the our bank odds maker we we got to talk to our odds maker dollars. here at SJHL. so yeah i was i wasn't i wasn't 100 i'm not criticizing i'm not criticizing anybody <laughs> i just yeah I, I think it's gonna be like well over 15 and and i think you know the just just partly a big reason for that is you know again a lot of these we have such great coaches and gms in this league and they care about mm -hmm. kids and there's you know there's only so many kids you can have on your team so you know, they want to take it upon them in a lot of situations to find a spot for maybe that kid that just isn't going to make your team past a certain. So, you know, you move him to to the Manitoba League or you move him to, you right. know, a different league or a different spot where the situation, not criticizing any other league. I'm just saying you find a spot for for a kid if you can. And I'm including all those trades, not just the ones that, you know, you, you add to make your team better. So that just really pads it. Uh, I think it's going to be way more than 15. Yeah, I mean, I'm also going to buy it at 15. I don't think we're going to see 41 because I don't think there's a lot of teams in this league that are sellers. Yeah. I, I, mm -hmm. I can see teams at the bottom buying and, and trying to make their roster better because of how competitive this playoff race is going to be. You got 7 to 11 divided by 5 points. So why can't Melville pick up another stud? Why can't Yorkton, you know, yeah. add to their roster via a trade, right? You're going to maybe see a draft pick go somewhere and a player come in that they could, they could think boost it. Maybe it was 41 last year because we had a couple teams that, you know, offloaded a few players, brought in some younger players. We're looking at next year. I don't think we're going to see as much of that this year. And then, of course, you got the teams at the top that are going to be adding because they want to try to go for the championship. 
But I've, I've also looking at the bottom and I'm like, I don't see any reason why Nippowin can't add right now. Although, mm-hmm. you know, they did get a little younger with the Braden Keesman trade and earlier in the season, but now they're in eighth place. Like, you know, you can, mm-hmm. you can bring in another player, but I don't think it's going to be 41. I think that's an absurd number for this year, but I think it's <laughs> definitely going to be higher than 15. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Rory. I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle, like maybe like 20, 25, something like that. So I'll definitely buy it as well. But yeah, I agree too. Like with, I think the parody in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, I don't know if you're going to see up until January 10th, many trades within the league. You might see teams across the SJHL making teams uh, trades with other teams in other leagues to potentially bolster their li- uh, lineup for obviously a championship push, like at the top of the standings or even a push to potentially uh, make the playoffs well tonight is an off night in the SJHL but the action resumes again tomorrow night another two games on the schedule tomorrow night Nugsy's going to be busy at the dunk tank as the Notre Dame Hounds play host to the LaRange Ice Wolves and the Weyburn Red Wings will return to the ice after uh, their games got postponed this past week as they play host to the Yorkton Terriers we talked about a big matchup between uh teams that are fighting uh, for points at the bottom of the standings. That will be a big one. And then on Wednesday, the LaRange Ice Wolves will continue their four-game and five-night road trip as they take on the Esteban Bruins, who, once again, there's another team that we haven't seen in a while because uh, their games have been postponed as well. And then another big matchup between the Melville Millionaires and the Nipwin Hawks on Wednesday as well. Uh, Guys, I guess uh, before we go, obviously, uh, we went a bit long today, but for good reason. Uh, Nugzi, uh, when you look at this week coming up in the SJHL, what do you have uh, your eyes on, mm-hmm. and what what are you looking forward to? Yeah, I mean, uh, we we talked about it, right? Those Larange Ice Wolves, uh, you know, every time we we think that they have a challenge that's a little bit too big for them to to, to climb, they they meet that challenge right away, right? So they got this long road trip right. coming up. You know, they've got Notre Dame, they've got Estevan a couple times. You know that'll be very, very interesting to see what the Larange Ice Wolves do out of the unfriendly, out of the friendly, un, out of the friendly part of me confines of the Mel Hagland Uniplex. So it'll be very interesting to see. You know, after they're 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 dealing their bout with that illness as well. You know how they come out of that. Uh, again, I, I love just watching the Larange Ice Wolves. I love the way they play. I love the way Kevin Kaminsky has his teams play with so much passion and so much fire and so much guts you know it, it's it's always a blast for me to watch the ice wolves and uh, and friend of the show walker jerome <laughs> rory what about you uh exact same you can't take your eyes off larange yeah. right now they got four road games in five days and they've only played eight road games altogether. we talked about you know will those top four teams fall out or one of them in mm-hmm. and larange has two games against estevan so those are are, are huge swings but that's a big road trip for LaRange and, and the Ice Wolves is who I'm looking at this week in the SJHL. Yeah, and I would have to agree with you on that for sure because well, the last time LaRange went on a uh, southern road trip, uh, they ended up with a 3-1 and record. So we'll see if they can do that again this week because it's a big week, like you guys mentioned, four games in five nights. Of course, before we go, we have to give another big shout out to all of our sponsors in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League uh, for all their support to help us put on SJHL Weekly and SJHL Insider each and every week. Cantera Seed, Sastel, Capital Auto Mall, Saskatchewan Construction Safety Association, Chevrolet, Tourism Saskatchewan, Direct West, SGI, SGU, Great Western, Young's Equipment, 
and RBC. Thank you all so much for your support. And of course, Saskatchewan Construction Safety Association presenting all of our coaches' conversations this season. As you can see below uh, on the screen, be sure to stay, to, if you want to stay up to date in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel as that's where you're going to find all the highlights, uh, shows, as well as great features that are coming to uh, the SJHL. It's going to be another busy week of hockey across the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. For Rory McGoran, Jamie Nugabauer, my name is Jeremy Corrigan, and this has been another great episode of SJHL Weekly across the SJHL social media platforms. 